0: to the word of the Lord, those of you um, that have your Bibles. And we're going to go back. We're going to go back. We're going to go back to our um, scripture reading for today. Amen. And the pastor have already read. I've already read it. And so I'm not going to uh, read it again. Amen. At your own uh, time and at your own leisure. If you so desire, you're going to go back to uh, the book of St. Matthew's, the 28th chapter, and uh, we read verses 1 through 10. And from that passage of scripture, uh, I'm going to talk to you all for uh, a few moments, or as the Spirit leads, uh, from the subject matter, the empty promises of Easter, the empty promises of Easter, the empty promises of Easter. Let me start off by saying that there was a story told about a young man from a wealthy family. And he was about to graduate from high school. And it was the custom in that affluent neighborhood for parents to give the graduate an automobile. So the little boy whose name was Eric, Eric and his father had spent months looking at cars and the week before graduation they found the perfect car. And on the eve of his graduation his father handed him a gift wrapped Bible. Uh, Eric was so angry that he threw the Bible down and stormed out of the house, and he and his father never saw each other again. It was the news of his father's death that brought Eric home again. And as he sat one night going through his father's possessions that he was to inherit, he came across the Bible his father had given him. He brushed away the dust and opened it to find a cashier's check. Yes, dated the day of his graduation. In the same amount of the car they had chosen together. You know, as I thought about this story, I couldn't help but wonder how many people in this world have done the same thing to God. Literally tossed aside a wonderful promise because they didn't understand it or they didn't believe that it was possible. I think you would agree with me that in our world we are taught uh, that if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And so many of us, so many of us have been taken in by empty promises, empty promises, that sometimes we become leery of anything or anyone that tells us that we can have something for nothing. Well, I need you to understand that the world simply doesn't work that way. But I have good news here today because you know what? God does because God never made a promise that was too good to be true. The fact of the matter is, and the truth of the matter, is that the world is full of empty promises. We watch TV, and all the advertisements tell us that we can be happy, sexy, rich, or famous. If we only purchase a certain product, it doesn't take long before we have been fooled enough to know that the world promises are full of emptiness. But I stop by here to let you know that God is different. Instead of promises full of emptiness, on Easter, he gave us emptiness that is full of promise. I don't want you to miss I don't want you to miss that. I'm going to say it again because instead of promises full of emptiness on Easter he gave us emptiness that is full of promise. Uh today I like uh, for us to think about the promises uh, of Easter there are at least 3 of them there are at least 3 that I want to deal with as quickly as possible here today and when i look at the 3 when you read in the text when i when i look at the 3 each promise is marked by something empty well what are you talking about pastor well when you read it first of all i see an empty cross and then secondly i see an empty tomb. And then thirdly, I see empty burial clothes. It is the very fact that each of these is empty that assures us that God's promise is real because they couldn't hold Jesus because he couldn't be contained to the cross or the tomb or even uh, his burial clothes we can be sure of the fullness of God's promises in our lives. Let's look at it for just a moment. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. First thing I want to observe, I want to observe the empty cross, the empty cross. Yes, yes, because the cross was empty. We have the promise of forgiving sins. Let's go back, let's go back, let's go back if we can. Now, briefly to that first Easter morning. It is early morning, according to scripture, dawn, but the sun has not risen. A few of Jesus's followers, and they just so happen to be women in our text, They are on our, they are on their way to a tomb. And it is the tomb where Jesus was buried. They had been woken now for about a half an hour. The conversation is subdued. The task before them is a sad one. They are going to anoint the body of Jesus. And so as they come to the top of a rise in the path, they all stop motionless and quiet, they stare off in the distance. And as we look with them, I want you to look, I want you to put on your spiritual eyes here today. Because as you look with them, let's look off to the right. Just outside the city stands a gruesome reminder of the events of just a few days ago. Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? Over there, over there, on on top of the hill, that the locals are called the Skull. I see three crosses. Y'all see them? I said I see three crosses. Yesterday was the Sabbath, so nobody had yet removed them. So there they stand, an empty reminder of the horror of Friday the one in the middle i want you to look look at the one in the middle that is the one that i want you to see that's the one that jesus hung on take a take a close look with your spiritual eyes take a close look and look up at the top those blood stains are from the crown of thorns that was crushed into Jesus' skull the stains on the ends of the crossbar, they came from the nails that were driven in his hands. Can you see it? The main beam, it was soaked in blood, blood from his back, blood that uh, was bled when the Roman soldiers beat him, hallelujah, with a cat of nine tails. It's also his stains from the blood that poured from his side. When another Roman soldier ran a spear through his side to see if he was dead. I want you all to know that when you look at the cross, uh, don't ever believe anyone who tries to tell you that he was just faking. Oh no, there's no question here today. I stopped by to tell you Jesus was dead. The soldiers knew it. The Romans knew it. The Jews knew it. Together they made up a lie that the disciples stole the body. Can you imagine, can you imagine 11 fishermen overpowering a company of Roman soldiers, moving a two-ton stone and, and stealing the body of Jesus just so they could claim that he had come back to life and then willingly died to protect that lie. You got to understand that they try to conjure up something. But I need you to know here today that Jesus really did die. And, and that is why I want you to see the cross this morning. Because it is the place where where he died. But today the cross is empty. I think somebody ought to shout the cross is empty. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that the cross is empty. The cross is empty of Jesus' body. But guess what? It's full of God's promises. It's empty, yet it's full. It's empty of his body, but it's full of his promises. And the empty cross means that it's full of hope for you and I. Yeah, the promise of the empty cross is that you and I stand forgiven. That he has forgiven our past sins. He has forgiven our present sins, and he has also forgiven our future sins. And because it was on that cross that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. But then I see a problem, and here is the problem. Because according to God's law, the wages of sin is death. Also, I see the problem because the Bible says that the soul that sins will surely die because we have sinned. Whether you know it or not, we deserve God's just punishment. We deserve eternal death. We deserve uh, hell. Oh, but when I look at the empty cross, It is a reminder of God's promises that he have forgiven us. On the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. We used to sing a song at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart was rolled away. It was there by faith, anybody remember that song, that I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. It was on that cross that Jesus Christ offered his perfect, sinless life on behalf of each one of us. I'll stop by here to tell you no one else could have done it, not Moses or Abraham. David couldn't do it. Isaiah could not do it. Muhammad couldn't do it. Buddha couldn't do it. No one else has ever lived perfectly and then offered his perfect life for our salvation. And that is why the Bible declares that there is no other name given under heaven by which we can be saved. And how many of you know that that name is Jesus? At the name of Jesus, Jesus' name has power to heal. It has power to deliver. It has power to set free. It has power to break every chain and every feather. The, the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus can forgive us of all sins. I don't know about you, but I thank God for that cross. In the middle, I thank God for the empty cross. But then, as I continued to read, and I don't want to preach too long, but as I continued to read, I saw something else that was empty because it wasn't enough for just the cross to be empty. But then, when I continued to read, I saw that there was an empty tomb. And when you see the empty tomb, It's the promise of uh, eternal life. Yeah, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back to the women. Let's go back to the women. Because after pausing briefly to view the cross, they continue their way down the path to the tomb. And as they go, one of them wonders aloud and declare who will move the stone for us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Somebody, you woke up this morning and you've asked the question, Lord, who's going to move the stone, the stone for me? Well, you have to understand they have good reasons to be concerned because the stone that was placed in front of the tomb was a large boulder probably weighing upwards of two tons. And not only that, the Romans had sealed it, so no one was allowed to move it without their permission. Well, guess what? With all of that confronting them, the ladies continued moving on. Well, I got a word for somebody. Regardless to what you're facing here today, I want you to keep on moving on. I want you to keep on trusting God and believing God because of the cross. Ah, uh, you have divine favor. Somebody ought to shout divine favor. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let me calm down here. I said divine favor, and because these women made up in their mind, that even though we have obstacles that's going to try to hinder us, we're going to keep going. And guess what? The minute they made up in their mind, I don't want y'all to miss this, the minute they made up in their mind that they were going to press on, when you read the text, it says, suddenly, oh, thank you, Jesus. Ah, somebody felt that. God's got a suddenly that he's getting ready to work in your life. God has a sudden healing for your body. God has a sudden, my God, financial blessing for you. God has a, a sudden, thank you, Jesus. Uh, he, he's gonna rectify some of these problems. He's gonna handle your enemies suddenly. Suddenly they fail the earth moves. Oh, thank you, Jesus. How I many y'all know God will move some stuff? My God, I'm getting too excited up in here. I said God will move some stuff. Hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battle because God will move some stuff. You just keep moving forward. You just keep on continuing. My God, in the ways of God, because the Bible says suddenly they, the, the earth moves and they were frightened, of course. I and mean, you know, sometimes uh, God will move in such ways where it, it'll frighten you. My God. And they looked at each other, not certain what to do. Hallelujah. They didn't, know, they didn't know what to do at this point. But but, but, but notice something. After a few minutes, things seemed normal. So they continued on their way. Well, I'll stop by here to let y'all know, in the midst of this pandemic, Things are going to get back to normal. It don't matter what they say. Things are going to get back to normal. It was after a few minutes. You have to understand God's time. I feel like preaching, so I better move on here. Listen, you have to understand God's time, that when I say in a few minutes, minutes is not even seconds to God. Thank you, Jesus. Because if a day is as a thousand years in uh, in the sight of God, you can imagine what, what a minute is. And so I stopped by here to prophesy. God getting ready to turn this thing around in his minute. And so they were frightened. They were upset. They were scared, but they kept going. And uh, as they approached the burial site, they're still wondering about what had happened when they come upon something even more remarkable. Well, what'd you just say, Pastor? I said, here they are wondering, hallelujah, how they're going to move a 2 turn stone. And with that on their mind, they feel earthquake. Hallelujah. Ain't that just hard work? Just while why you trying to figure one thing out? All of a sudden, something else come up on you. Well, I, I, I stopped by to tell somebody, you're going to make it. Somebody ought to shout, I'm going to make it. No, 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 no. I want you to shout to your neighbor. Hear you shout to your neighbor, knock on the wall and say, can you quiet down? I want you to shout. I'm going to make it. Hallelujah. My God, before they can get over one thing, all of a sudden the earth starts quaking. Now, now they're frightened. But notice something. Now they see something even more remarkable. What do they see, Pastor? Soldiers are all unconscious. Some of y'all know when God getting ready to do something, God will put your situation unconscious. Oh my God, y'all ain't helping me here. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, where's Marcus? I need a organ. Just kidding. Listen, the soldiers are all, the soldiers are all unconscious. Notice something else. The stone has been moved. Hallelujah. And they didn't have nothing to do with it. Not only that, but they see something. They see an angel glowing like lightning. What is that angel doing? He's sitting, my God, on the tomb. Thank you, Jesus. And then not only is he sitting there, but then the angel begins to talk. And here's what the angel says Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. But he had to tell him he is not here. He has uh, risen. Jesus had risen. In other words, uh, he's alive. He's glowing. He said, uh, the best way I know going to tell you is he's alive. The tomb is empty. And what what a tremendous promise that holds. For in the fact of the empty tomb, uh, is the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise to everyone of us that we too will be raised to eternal life. Death can't do us no harm. Hallelujah, death has lost its sting. And to those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you, you understand that death lost its sting. It is no longer something to be feared. What fear is there when we have the promise that one day we will live forever with him in heaven? Somebody asked me, what's the worst? What's the worst? Well, the worst is that we have to check out of here and go live with the Lord. If that's the worst, my God, my God, because the Bible said absent from this body, is to be what present with the Lord, and so that is our hope. Because of the empty tomb, we have the promise of uh, eternal life. I hear my mother singing. If you miss me from singing down here, and you can't find me nowhere, come on up to white glory. I'll be singing and shouting and praising God up there. We all are just pilgrims and strangers traveling through this barren land, but we all got a home in yonder city and let's continue to do the best that we can. Well, my brothers and sisters, there's one more promise. Uh, There's one more promise that I need you to know about today. And the last promise that I see as I read this text is I simply see that it is the promise of the empty burial clothes. And when you look at this promise, the promise that they would once again have a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The empty barrel clothes just simply meant I'm not here. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It just simply meant that I'm a I'm a living savior. Notice how the clothes, uh, the, the, the linen is just laying there. It's customary that when back in those days when they ate at a table, ah, uh, when they were finished eating at the table they would fold their napkin and they would get up when they were finished. If they were going to come back to the table, or if they was going to continue on with their eating, they would not fold the linen. Well, look at his clothes. Look at his clothes. They're not folded. Ah, And the reason why they're not folded is because Jesus has declared That I'm not finished yet. I am he who was once dead, but I'm alive now forevermore. And because he's alive, that means I can have a close personal relationship with him. After the angels had spoken to them, they immediately went back to the apostles and they reported what had happened. With this incredible news, Peter and John immediately raced back to the tomb to see for themselves. You know, some folk got to see for themselves. I'm glad that I know. And the Bible said when they got there, John stopped just outside the tomb. Hallelujah. But Peter ran right in. They go that Peter again. You know, he always was doing something. John stopped, but Peter ran right in. And it didn't take them long to discover that the tomb was just the way the women had said it was, that it was empty. But that's not all, because inside of the tomb, Peter found the clothes that Jesus had been buried in. Ah, they too were empty. This could only mean one thing, and that is that Jesus was alive. If someone had stolen the body, they wouldn't have removed the burial clothes and then folded them up neatly and left them where they lay. And so truly, Jesus was resurrected. It wouldn't be long before Jesus himself would appear to Mary Magdalene and to all of the apostles and eventually to over 500 people. When he appeared, he would sit down with them. He would walk with them. He would talk with them. He would eat with them. Once again, they would be able to fellowship with their Lord. You see, that is the promise of the empty burial clothes, that Jesus is alive and he wants to fellowship with you today. He wants to walk with you. Hallelujah. He wants to talk with you. He wants to rock you in the cradle of his love. He want to soothe all your doubts. He want to calm all of your fears. He want to answer your questions. He want to give you peace in the midst of all of your confusion. He said because the clothes are left empty. Hey, I want a fellowship with you. I hear another song what a fellowship. Ah, what a joy divine leaning on his everlasting arms. Once again they be able to fellowship with him let me close think about it for a moment the cross couldn't hold him the tomb couldn't contain him the burial clothes are now unnecessary because Jesus is alive and I want to know do you know him today <laughs> I want to know do you know him not, not, not the person in the house with you I want to know do you know him The seed of David, the rock hewed out of the mountain, our Savior, our Lord, our King, our Savior. Do you know Him? Hey, do you know Him for yourself? I didn't ask, do you know about Him? I asked, do you know Him for yourself? You can know His love, you can know His care, you can know His healing. You can know his forgiveness. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. And so off in the distance stood an empty cross The promise that their sins were forgiven. At the end of their journey was an empty tomb. The promise of eternal life. Inside the tomb were empty burial clothes. The promise that they would once again have a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ, their living savior. The promise that they discovered that day, we too can have today. We too can learn the freedom of forgiven sins. We too can know the promise of eternal life in heaven. And we too can know Jesus Christ as our Lord, And our Savior. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all of my fears are gone. And because I know, I know who holds the future. Life is worth living just because my Savior lives. Right where you are, oh, thank you, Jesus. Right where you are sitting, God knows. God knows what you need. God knows the burdens that you are carrying. God knows the load that you're under. God knows about the sickness that may be in your body. But how many of y'all know God can do it? He can do it today. So as we approach the throne of grace here today, somebody may not know Jesus as their personal savior. I don't know who's on. Somebody may not know Jesus as their personal savior. and We most certainly want to. Give them an opportunity on this day to receive Jesus Christ. All you have to do just admit that you're a sinner. Then guess what? We all was once in need. That's under the sound of my voice. Meet every need, God. If there's one that don't know your darling Son Jesus as their personal Savior, I pray you draw them before it's too late. <coughs> draw them in the name of Jesus. I know you can, God, and I know that you will. Bless your people. We shall be blessed. Keep us, God, and we shall be kept. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let the people of God say amen.